Hey everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, now on iTunes. And i got to say something about iTunes. I just want to thank everybody real quick that's been asking us to, to get on iTunes. Uh, now that we have, we're getting a lot of thank yous and good reviews and things like that. So um, it was originally my goal to, you know, I've known Marty Gallagher for for years and um, when I first met him he he didn't have much of a, a web presence or or anything like that so the more I got to know him um, and the more I understood you know how important he was in the uh, powerlifting industry and all that the, it just got endless knowledge I wanted to bring that out for everybody to kind of enjoy so now we're on iTunes <clears throat> we're a little bit more professional here so uh enjoy the show yeah. yeah so today we're discussing what we call killing our weakness by attacking our weakness now what do i mean by that now today in particular we're going to talk about the bench press a lot of people have issues with the bench press so uh we've got coaches jim Steele, marty gallagher uh we're going to go through and explain uh, how we can greatly improve our bench press technique for more power um, and at the same time help prevent injury. So this is a, a technique developed by a world-class bench presser and adapted adopted by uh, numerous other athletes in Tier 1 Spec Ops. Um, so, so Jim, so this kind of centers around, around your, uh, your latest article, Kill the Weakness by Attacking the Weakness. Uh, which you can currently see on uh, ironcompany.com. Um, what um, y- you talk about? What kind of bench presser you were early on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think you know everybody has things that they uh, are good at in the weight room, and they find out pretty fast what they're good at. And when you're in high school and you first start lifting, you want to focus on what you're good at. I always felt very natural with any type of pulling movements, uh, deadlifts. You know, felt great to me, bent over rows, and leg leg stuff also. Um, squats didn't feel as natural as deadlifts, but squats a lot of, is a lot of determination, too, once once you have your right stance and all that, and I think I was pretty determined to get good at it. The problem with the bench press is that I was super too determined to get good at it, and I overtrained the crap out of it. Um, in fact, I would, so this is me in high school, my, my strongest friend who did 405 in high school, Carlo, Bianchini, who played at James Madison, All-American, all this. He benched a couple times a week, you know, he ate copious amounts of food, milk, steak, all, all you know, uh, his mom was from Spain, she made these huge rice dishes with shrimp and, and all this stuff, and we, he would eat, he'd sleep 12 hours, he, he, you know, he'd do a couple sets of bench, couple, his bench went crazy. Yeah, me, on the other hand, me, on the other hand, I'd bench in the morning, I'd bench at night, I'd start to get my butt off the bench, I was so desperate, because back then, and Marty can attest to this. Everybody was like, "How much can you bench?" Nobody, right. nobody was squatting, man. I mean, it just flat it just was. started but, getting popular. Pelican yeah, flat. that's always the just question: How much can you bench? Along. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you bench? Well, I was like uh, 175. And I'm squatting what, 365. You know. Let me let me ask you though your your uh, technique early on. Where did you pick yeah, it up? Was it just elbows. Pi- we, we didn't have any instruction. I just watched the older guys. Right. The problem is. The older guys that were benching the most are those guys that can walk in any time and be strong in the bench press. So, 
you know, you you, you want to you seek out the guy who's had the most trouble and then it's successful. But you know, I didn't I didn't know that. Um, so you know, my elbows were way out. I was bouncing the bar off my chest. My ass was coming up when I would get frustrated. And what happened was, I developed some crazy bicep tendonitis. Yeah. I, you know, I had bicep tendonitis. I had um, uh, elbow you know problems too, just from. And I'm in high school doing this, but I was just desperate to get better. And I sucked at it forever, forever. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Jimmy, yeah. how tall were you? How tall were you and what did you weigh? Uh, let's see, ninth, 10th grade, I was probably 185 to 205, 5'8". Right. Well, you're yeah. stocky. I mean, you're, you, you're, you're thick. Yeah, I mean, by the time, but even then when I was a senior, it was like 250. I mean, that's awful. And I was squatting for four, four Yeah. Times. Right, you know, exactly. and I could bend over row a house. Uh, right. So it, it, was, it was frustrating. It was it was overtraining, and and uh, then I was like, screw it. Do you, you train your arms? Yeah, I did triceps and biceps. Uh, but Jim, Jim, you were training up to you were training bench up to twice a day sometimes. Yeah, now in high school, yeah. So I would go in the morning cool. when we had team lifts, and then they have open gym at night, and I'd go back. Yeah, now now see that's how I did things too because I had a lot of times more drive than everybody else around me and I said, "You know what? I'm just going to double up on it yeah. and do more than everybody else." But that doesn't always work. No, and it all has to have a plan, but I'd rather have a guy like you who's over excited and have to calm him down than somebody I got to get. Yeah, it yeah, right, right. It's like those special ops guys we train. That's enough. That's enough, you know. Yeah, that yeah, you don't want you don't want to deal with guys that you constantly have to prod. You want to deal with the guys that you constantly have to dial back. The guys that tend to be a little bit crazy. Well, and the, yeah. Well, as the time went on with the bench press and I started competing in powerlifting, now I'm even out of college and I think my best was in a meet like 350. 350. What do you so want? I would do it. Oh, I was big, man. 250 to 275. Right. And so I would take a, a token, like close grip, just to say this is stupid. And then I, you know, squat over 700 and deadlift close to 700 and eventually over seven. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I was until Rob Wagner said to me, hey, man, you're looking sort of stupid <laughs> doing that, doing that token bench press thing you do. <laughs> and I was like, in my head, I was like, F you, man, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, he's right. You know, when you yeah. sit back. And now, now, wait a minute. Who's, who's Rob Wagner? Just so Rob, everybody knows. So Rob Wagner was my boss at Penn. And the, the reason why Marty knows him is because he was also on a bunch of uh, international or, you know, our, our USA team in the IPF. He's a world champion squatter. And yeah, <clears throat> Rob, Rob for many years was the best 181 pound squatter in the world. Yeah, I spotted him on 405 for 20 reps in the squad. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about 20. I don't care about 20. Oh, give, give, me his, give me his, give him his 800 at 198. <laughs> Four times body weight. That's what you're talking. Yeah, dive bumps. But he was a he is a guy who had trouble with his bench press too, and I just happened to have this melding of people come into my life of Karwaski and uh, Rob Wagner to really help me out with the bench press. Karma for all the good things I've done. So, so yeah, so you were lagging behind, and you're like, you know, this effing bench press. I'm just, uh, I mean, what were you thinking? I'll never be good at it, or you, you knew there was a solution well, out there I, somewhere. I, I, I had to, you know, so I had these goals my whole life. Where in a meet, I wanted to squat 800, deadlift over seven, 
and uh, bench five. And I'm not going to get to that if I didn't change something. Yeah. You know? So, All right. No, I, no, I was determined enough to change it. But I, I was like, man, screw this, you know? All right. The bench. Yeah, I went through all this stuff. Now, now before we go on to to talk about the uh, the new technique that that uh, was kind of taught to you by Karwaski and Wagner, uh, Marty, your mentor was Hugh Cassidy. That's correct. Now, I would imagine that uh, you kind of took up on on his technique and started benching like he did, or, or how did you do? Yeah, it? Yeah, he was a structural architect. Uh, he was. Uh, he, he was into angles and mathematics and uh, everything was very well thought out in terms of what techniques he used in the squat, the bench press, the deadlift, or the press behind the neck or the seated curl or whatever it was. <clears throat> he thought long and hard about what technique he wanted to use to activate where he, uh, you know, the contraction he was looking right, for, right, as right. Ken Fantana would say. <clears throat> so he wasn't just grabbing a curl bar. He was thinking, you know, my elbow needs to be this way, and I modified supinate at the top. And all uh, yeah, I want. Uh, am I looking to activate the outer head of the bicep? Well, I better keep the elbow down, supinate at so, the top, then lift the elbow yeah. at the very end for the hyper contraction. And when you combine someone who's smart and wickedly strong. It gets real and, strong. And, and, and Hugh's strategy was, uh, again, it was typical of the times. Cassidy had this great saying. He would eat his way through the sticking point. Right, right. Oh, okay, you can bench. I think he hit his first 400 bench weighing 220. And he got stuck there. Well, guess what? Uh, get a 240 in body weight, and he's not stuck anymore. <laughs> and then you go to 260 in body weight and then 280 weight in body weight. Eventually, he went to 300. And yeah. at 300, he did 570 raw ridiculous with a two-second pause. In the day, when you pulled the bar down to the chest, the referee went 1,001, 1,002, press. Wow, yeah. Yeah, plus he's squatting before that. Oh, yeah, you squatted yeah. 800 raw, no no belt, nothing. Low-cut uh, low cut chucks, low-cut converse on. Fourth guy in history to do 800-pound raw, and then he deadlifted 800 uh, 20 yeah, minutes later. Mighty. Right? So on his... But his Sorry. Style, uh, it's, he's very, extremely stylistic in the bench. Elbows in, lower to the high point. I mean, just, just common sense stuff, like, okay, in uh, first turn the flat bench into a decline okay by arching mm. why well because you can bench more in a decline than you can in a flat bench so we create an artificial decline by arching so first you arch then if you have a really big rib, rib cage and you inhale maximally and you take a wide grip you have a minimal rep stroke right right, right. It's the, the least number of inches you have to push uh, we emphasize the negative. We emphasize the elbows in, flex the lats on the way down. The lats acted as sort of the the brakes, the and also the where the triceps dug into the lats at the yeah. bottom. And you were tense maximally. We took advantage of the negative. We didn't throw away the negative. Very important. All right. Now, Nowadays, everything just dropped the damn bar and whatever, you know. So, right. Now, Cassidy's technique, did he uh, develop a lot of that on his own, or did he borrow yeah. little bits and pieces? No, he got it. He was, uh, he was uh, iconoclastic genius. You know, he, well, he, 
his, did all kinds of stuff. His national championship, that was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, he was He was the first super heavyweight powerlifting yeah. champion of so the world. So he was the ground the floor, world, man. Of he the was, world. To be able to, to, you know, that's like the first guy on the moon. Like, that's nobody right. was squatting 800. Nobody was deadlifting no. uh, 800. Nobody was, was pausing with 570 for two seconds. So in order to do that, that's even more difficult than, you know, once a, a, the guy from Russia clean and jerked over 500, yeah. a bunch of people did it, the four-minute mile, all that stuff. But yeah. to be the, the guy and still have weights that today we're going, what the hell? He was ridiculously strong. That's and funny. That's and funny. he was a good coach because he was an intellectual. He was a, he, he was a um, uh, physiological overachiever. He was a normal dude. He didn't have any special. He didn't dunk a basketball. He couldn't run a four four forty. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't have a forty vertical. He didn't have any of that. But he just he was very smart, and he was also willing to get big like a sumo. Yeah. And he just kept getting bigger and stronger and bigger and stronger. And he was and eventually he ended up training heavy twice a week. But. I went to the national championships with him one time yeah. and he used to bring a cooler with him everywhere he went. And I mean, he was huge and he would, you'd sit wherever you sat down, he'd sit down and, you know, we were watching the national championships from the front row, the first national powerlifting championships, like when George friend was lifting and right. peanuts West. And I mean, bombed out and it was, you know, 1969, I guess. Wow. So we sit there with Cassidy and he opens the cooler and he starts eating like meatloaf sandwich and <laughs> right, you know, drinking from a from a gallon of milk and he's right, like right. eating fruit and he's got pie. And he just, <laughs> it, right. And it's just you know, he just keeps eating and eating and eating and eventually he eats everything in the cooler and then it's okay, time to go. And then he, we go out to dinner that night and he, you know, crushes two meals and, you know, didn't think twice about it. I'm like, God almighty. Yeah. And, and and you can almost see him swelling. Right, yeah. and well, just getting bigger and stronger every week. And he had that very specific bench style, and he got a lot out of it. He had uh, some shoulder issues that caused him. If you look at the any of him, if there's any video of him benching, he used to lean bad to one side. He had uh, some sort of, a, I think that was from Olympic lifting. I think he got it trying to snatch. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but back to you, Jimmy. What what yeah. was your well, formula that got you out of the uh, well? Well, now, now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Let's move on because we're getting Marty into that. But, <laughs> Marty, we talked about this. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, so let's start talking about a guy named Ken Fantano. So yeah. he, he comes in. Now, this is Ken's uh, strategy and, and technique is what uh, Jim eventually went with. But we got to lead up to that. Um, so, Marty, when did you meet? Ken Fantano. How did uh, you 1989. 1989. I took, a, I took a job as a warehouse ramrod in Milford, Connecticut. And I uh, had a guy, I had 40 guys working for me in a steel warehouse. Mm -hmm. And I uh, ran into a giant power lifter uh, in a bar. It was funny. My buddy was with me, said, hey, you must know that guy. He was uh -huh. a giant dude over there in the corner. I said, Damn, I do know that guy. And I just moved to the neighborhood from D.C., right? I was new completely to Connecticut, never been there. I'm, his name was Dino. I won't say his last name. So Dino, so I said, Dino, where does everybody train? He said, ain't one, one place, Marty, Fantano's. 
uh, whenever I, I said, uh, Dina, would you give me a formal introduction? It was like meeting the Godfather. You know, he said, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, Marty. I had met Dino, my super heavyweight, Elliot Smith, had gone against Dino at the APF Junior Nationals in uh, Hollywood, Florida, like the year before. So that's where I knew him. We had partied pretty hard in the beach after that uh, competition. And there was a keg of beer, so it was me and Dino and my guys. Oh, it was a wild time. So that's that how I knew time. him. That was him. Uh, Hollywood, Florida, Hollywood. At the, the day after. The competition was on Saturday. Yeah. The beer party was on Sunday. I see him in the bar in Milford, Connecticut a year later. I've taken a new job. Hey, there's Dino. Yeah. He says, go to Fantano. So I go to Kenny, uh, who's very um, somber. <laughs> He's giant. He looks like a Louis Sear, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, 5'10", 360, but tight as a steel barrel. I mean, right. no That's fat on this guy. Oh, my God, now. I put and a picture of him. By the way, I put a picture of him on, uh, on Jim's latest article. There are so few pictures of him. Uh, yeah. yeah, and very athletic. These guys are extremely athletic. Uh, they they would play uh, savage wiffle ball games out back in the parking lot. Oh, and they're yeah. knocking each other down and and beating each other with a bat. Oh, fights would break out. It was crazy. So, but but Ken had the most stylized bench press technique I'd ever seen in my life. I mean, well, when you bench- when you went in there the first time, was it like? Yeah, you you got you had street credibility because of he said it. The, he said at the counter, and I sat up there, and I basically was interviewed, and he you know yayed or nayed me whether I was going to remain. I mean, this was a no bullshit guy. Uh, I was there one time, and a business executive came in in a uh, you know a two thousand dollars suit. Yeah, he's walking toward the counter, and I'm sitting there, and Fantano looks up at him. At him, he goes, "Not for you, buddy." And the guy goes. <laughs> And the guy goes, uh, excuse me, you know, this, this was East Haven, Connecticut. West Haven was not too far away. Hey, home of Yale. So this guy's walking up harder. And Kenny said, not for you. And the guy says, excuse me, I'm sorry. Can you get the owner? <laughs> and Kenny stood up and turned beat red. And I said, oh, shit. I got off the bar stool. We were, they were playing pinochle. Oh, boy. So I got off the bar stool, and this guy backed, and and he backed him up, and Kenny, Kenny was gonna slap him. He was gonna slap his face, and the guy turned and ran out the door, and Kenny chased him. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 I'm like, what? I mean, this is a a guy coming in for business. He he comes back and he sits down and he said, Mark, I'll tell you, here's the way it goes. So these guys come in and they they fought down four hundred dollars in cash and I go oh that's great and I take the money he said then I got to put up and he says I blow it that night at the strip club then I got to put up with these assholes for a year. So not for you. Hey, hey, so it was invitation only, Jim, basically. Uh, we, we power trained on Sunday. Everybody could only train once a week. Well, uh, Kenny trained, uh, I think, on Tuesday. He did incline benches. I don't think he might have done some other arm work. But the main day was Sunday, and he the, closed the gym to the public. And it was a private with the top guys. But we had, they had uh, three guys who squatted over 900 and three guys who benched over 600 raw. Uh, it was a... Yeah, the muscle factory. And the rest of the guys were just as strong. You'd have 15, 
15 guys on three platforms on Sunday. You'd have varsity on platform one. Kenny squatted officially 960. Jeez. Yeah. And he did a 633 double with no shirt. Yeah. Paused, right? Uh, yeah. Paused Pause double. Yeah. He had the sink and pause thing where he'd sink the bar and he'd expand his waist so dramatically that he popped the rivets off two Windsor belts. Can you, can you imagine? Oh, my God. You expand yeah. with such boom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Expansion. And now that flung the bar off the chest. Yeah. And then at that point, he had this arc. He had a gentle arc backwards, which lessened the tricep strain. So he'd follow the gentle arc backwards to lockout. Boom. And it was like, God, that's magic, Ken. He goes, oh, yeah, Marty. He said, the bench is a technical lift. He said, the strength comes from the incline. Well, he was benching 400 for six in the paused 45-degree incline with two, uh, yeah, two 200s. Did he, did he explain to you how he came up with the final technique that eventually Karwaski got, Jim got, and everybody else got? How did he come up with that? Was it just trial and error, or did, did he explain this to you? No. Now, he would draw it out for you, right? Because he was real technical. Yeah, we sat down. He was left-handed. Uh, he uh -huh. drew like Leonardo da Vinci. He had a really nice... Uh, he was a good good drawer. And he would he'd like have a stick-figure bench guy laying down, and he'd lay out the arc angle from the side and stuff. It was really cool. Uh, he had thought it out uh, significantly. And his, his incline technique was too he was super strict 45 degree incline pause at the chest six reps with a pair of 200s good god yeah that's crazy strength right and a, and a 960 squat super deep i mean they would just bounce out of the hole they were like uh big giant guys there's a uh, there's a really cool picture of him in your book purposeful primitive where he's doing uh incline dumbbells and he's got a spotter on each side I think he's got uh, weights taped onto the dumbbells too, right? Uh, what, it, what it was is past 150, the bells get so thick that they would hit him in the head. <laughs> yeah. So he'd have a guy stand on each side, and the guy would have a 50. And then when Kenny would lower the first rep down, they'd put the 50s on, and then for the rest of the set, they would stand there a guy on each side making sure that the 50 didn't fall off and fall on his head. So that's how we created a pair of two, a uh, pair of two hundreds. You know what? It's funny. The stuff you have to do in situations like that. Yeah. That's I've when seen that and a lot more. The gym. Yeah. You're too strong for the gym. It's like when we used to have to hang coat hangers on Cassidy's extra six foot exercise bar. When we got over 650 in the squat, and the bar's going well, like, <laughs> and well, we've got coat, coat hangers with 50-pound dumbbells on each side. And Q's well, like, yeah, I think you should go to Chalet's. <laughs> you know, I had, the, I had the same thing happen to me. This was back in my prime, right? And this is how I started my business. <laughs> oh, well, we, we had, yeah, well, I mean in my 20s. So we had, I used to work out at Gold's Gym, and we had these uh, 140s. And this was in my prime. You know, I was lifting heavy, and I was like – 
hey, get us heavier dumbbells, you know. And the guy goes, um, you know, you and one other guy is going to use them. We don't have any rack space. So what I did, if you if you remember the, the pro-style dumbbells, you know, they've got the little chrome washer and Allen yeah. uh, hex bolt on the end. What I did, I came up with this idea. I took that chrome washer off of there and made one the same size, but it was threaded and case hardened. So you just switched out the little, you use the same bolt and everything. You just switch out that washer. And then from there, I had these internally threaded uh, add-on plates. I spun them right on. So I could increase that 40 to a 145 all the way up to 170 in five pound increments. It was great. I patented the thing and went into business. And that's my story. The rest but is history. The rest is history. And we're all here on iTunes. What were we talking about? Uh, squatting? <laughs> no, bench. So, um, so Ken had this, uh, this technique. So did you start, Marty, did you start using the, the technique? I don't think the bench was, no, was your strong suit. I was terrible. Yeah. I was the world's bench best. Well, now, you know, now that I've heard Jim's story, I'm the world's <laughs> second worst bench presser. Yeah, I was go. a little, little better than him. Not much. I had long arms. I, Really didn't get started bench until late. Anyway, uh, but I certainly knew a fabulous technique when I saw it. When I did start working with this kid called Kirk Karwaski, he was stuck at 420 in the 242-pound class and wasn't really going anywhere. It was like, okay, what are we going to do here? And... I was I was in Connecticut working the warehouse. I said, "Hey, you should come on up here and meet meet this guy. He's he's the real deal." And he said, "Oh, I've heard of this guy." And he said, "Yeah, let me do that." So Kirk came up, so and car he drove into Connecticut. <laughs> I can't remember that part. We had uh, we we had a good time. I remember that. Uh, it wasn't all work, no. uh, but we they did get together, and Kirk really took to it, right. Uh, it's based on you're almost rotating instead of lowering your arms you're like rotating your upper torso and your lower torso in a segment and you you lower everything as a unit then you start the push with the unit and you finish with the triceps and Kirk if uh, the best example of it is if you can get a copy of Kirk's what's Kirk's uh, video Jimmy from cadet to captain yeah, there's a section in there where uh, everybody looks at Kirk's squats and, oh, yeah, he's so great, he's so great. You know, look at the bench because the angle's perfect. It's up looking down, and you see Kirk's hand position. You see his elbows in. You see why he's got his elbows in. It's extremely powerful. You can see the tension in his lowering. You, you know, you can see his explosion. You can see he's got this body jolt thing going to get the reps started. Out of out of the dead stop, it's like it's paused and then bam, everything rockets. And it's a learned skill. It took. So him, when he went up there, Ken just schooled him for a day or, or a couple hours. Or yeah, more. yeah, a day. I, you know, they were there. Yeah. They were there a good long time, but uh, they, uh, you know, it was an interesting time. But uh, we'll get into that sometime when we're on a different. So so so, um, uh, Kirk adopts the uh the fantano oh, yeah. bench yeah. technique so he yeah. goes from he goes from what 440 on the bench 420 420 to 600 
to 600 using this technique. Now that takes that's over what a well, five year period. Sure. And he gains he gain, he goes from the 242 pound class all the way up to the super class comes back to the 275 pound class. So he's a big dude, but yeah, now, using the Fantano style. And he never quite got the Kenny leg drive. The leg drive was like the final piece of the puzzle. He's close. He doesn't quite got the jolt like, like Ken and Gene Donay in particular. And Danny Dierko. All three were 600 benchers. Uh, Danny was benching 600, weighing 275, raw. You know, mm. I mean, it, and they all use this particular style. And it's like, I wish we had it video. But Kirk... Kirk is a really excellent example, and, and uh, they can get that through Iron Company, right? Uh, from cadet to captain? Yeah. Yeah, they can contact us. Um, okay. We don't have it on the site, but, but we, we can get it. Yeah, yeah we, we can, should we get, get that because uh, that's an important document. It's turning did, out to be. Did um, did Now, did, he, did Kirk stray from the technique at all, or did he yeah. adhere no, no, to it 100%? For years. Yeah, and, and I tell you also, that is really, Kirk did some incline pressing like Ken, and mm. I think I think Kirk got up to like a 450. Yep, for like three or four, right? Yeah, yeah, he was a strong incline bencher. Yeah. Uh, I think his best uh, competition bench was 570, uh, but he just, uh, he he really had a terrific bench technique style. He made the most of his, and he 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 was built the bench. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Jim to go through the whole entire technique. He, Jim, you yeah. just got back from uh, Kansas City and and had a seminar on this, right? Yeah, University of Kansas has a Midwestern Sports Performance Symposium, and they asked me to come talk. I was gonna do the bench and the squat, but I talked so long on the bench, I ran out of time. So. I got the bench in there and just went over the technique that really helped me that, that came through these guys. How would you explain that? How do I explain what? Yeah, t take us through the, the technique. technique. Yeah, well, there's well, some I mean, real good. I had a bench, so it was even better. So I, I went through it and, and did the physical <clears throat> act of it, and then I had uh, one of the assistant coaches, me take you know take her through the technique also, so everybody could see it. So what what happened um, as far as the you know, just backing up a little bit. I, when I got the pen to start coaching, I was Rob Wagner's assistant. And I had just met, Kirk and I knew each other, but, you know, just started to get really close friends. I would, we would, I would go down to Mac. He stayed at my house, all this stuff. And I started talking to him about the bench just the same time Robert Wagner and, and everything was like, you know, you're really stupid for doing a token bench. So it all sort of came together then. And the technique is you, your bench is not an upper body lift. Bench is a lower body lift. Um, and you have to focus on the most advantageous angles for strength. And it's not with your elbows way away from your body. Think how, you, think, you know, anytime you get away from your midline, you're weak, right? And so yeah. you know, structurally, you're not, if you're, if you're going to look at an offensive lineman, if you're going to look at a defensive lineman, when they hit somebody, their elbows are tight to their body. Yeah. Why? Because no. you're yeah. strong. You're super yeah. strong. Mm -hmm. Man, just add Jimmy really quick. Just, yeah. folks, just, just ditch the flared elbow supposed uh, bodybuilder bench press. It's just a great way just to end up with wrecked shoulders, and it's not efficient. Right, and torn pecs, too. I mean, you know, yeah. everybody, I used to get those pec twinges, mm -hmm. you know, just real close to tearing it, and you're like, oh, man, you know. Now I, and it's because my, my, my technique was bad. But anyway, so 
you know, you, you tell people you got a bench with your, your legs, and they're like, what, what are you talking about? They've never even heard of that. And we've all seen guys with their legs on the, their feet up on the bench while they're oh, benching. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, so it's, um, but first of all, you, it, it's, it's the, the act of the, the pressing is, is important, but it's your setup that's really important. And so what I do, and there's maybe a couple things different than Marty, but we can connect on that, is first thing I do is I push against the uprights. And when I'm pushing against the, I'm lying down, pushing against the uprights, I'm bringing my scapula together, and I'm trying to get my butt as close as I can to my head. Jim, right? where, where is your eye position in relation to the bar? Your eyes under the bar, behind the bar, in front of the bar? Eyebrows your are eyebrows, are, which will put your eyes slightly in front of the bar. Too many, too many people start too far back, right. and then they end up tying into the uprights. You've oh got God, to hit back and down on the damn bench. Go ahead, Jimmy. I'm sorry. And it's so important. No, but it really is important, and you have to stress that over and over until somebody gets and go, oh yeah. Um, so I'm trying to get my butt and my head really close together, and that's that arch that Marty just talked about through ten and. What you want is ridge, rib cage elevated as high as you can get it. Right? Uh, Jim, let me ask you something about that. Now, if you look at Instagram and all this, you see these crazy, like, gymnastics-type arches. I mean, where there's, like, oh. the range of mo motion is, like, three inches. I mean, what do you guys think if, about if that? If you can do it, you should do it if you can. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's an advantage. If you have that, In a contest, in a meet. Uh, Cassidy used to be uh, have us... Uh, uh, arch over a four by four. Yeah, we did it sharp, with, with sharp edges, and you know you better you better keep your damn arch up, son. I, I know JP, you're talking about like the Japanese uh, girls or the Russian girls who have just no, I'm just so much that they're that you could you could drive a car under. Yeah, under I'm just yeah. I'm seeing well, a lot of that nowadays, and it's like yeah, there's no range of motion. Yeah, good, for them. good for them. Good for them. <laughs> good for them. Um, so anyway, so now your rib cage is really elevated, your shoulder, your scapula are pinched together. I mean, and, and right away I tell everybody, it's not going to be comfortable and it's it's not supposed to be. So squeeze your, those upper body, uh, upper back muscles, I want them to be cramping, right? And now you're going to put your hands on the bar. Don't lift it off yet. You get your grip and you put your hands on the bar. Lift your ass off of the bench. Yep. Set it down lightly. You feel the that tension. pressure. With a yeah. tense ass, a tense ass, not a yeah. loose ass. That's right. And you feel that pressure in your feet. Now you're going to drive with your feet. Don't lose that pressure. So what happens is, okay, then, what, what happens, they take the bar off. I always want people to get a lift off. It's ridiculous trying to lift yourself, lift it off yourself with a heavy weight. And you lose that scapula position right away when that happens. So get a good lift right. off. Just take your breath. Get the lift. You don't have to count to 10. I can't stand that. Anyway, so you take the bar off. Now I want you to, your elbows you're going to think about driving your elbows into your lats. Okay. Now you're, and that sounds weird, but you want your lats flexed, but your scapula still in. Okay. And I'm doing it right now. <laughs> and then yeah. you want to act like you're going to bend the bar in half. So in order to get your elbow tucked into your lat, you have to do that action of bending the bar. Right. And when you come down with that weight, that's going to drive in, your elbow in, into your lat. Inward. Bend it. Bend it. Yeah. So your thumbs are going towards yeah, the like your ceiling. hands are yeah, going to yeah. be. Yep. Yeah. Um, and now I don't, I don't ever tell anybody, um, to look for a spot on the, uh, on the ceiling and all that, because what happens is when they reach their scapula come out. So I always just say, I don't even want you to think about a bench being here. 
It's just like doing a vertical jump, a, a clean. It's pressure through the ground. I want my whole body crushing the ground right now. It's just that bench is in the way. But if you were on the ground, I want you to put as much pressure as you can into the ground, okay? Because you actually want to push away from the ceiling. Push away from the ceiling. Use your body and use your feet in order to drive. So what happens is a lot of times when you bring that bar down, guys sort of lose contact with the floor. They lose that tension in their ass. Oh, yeah. Right? And then their ass comes up off the bench. So they have to be disciplined enough and do enough, you know, sets of this to keep that tension in your legs the whole time. Now, as far as bar speed, you know, um, you know, I know Marty, Kirk was pretty slow on, on the bar speed on the, I'm talking about the descent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you definitely want to be under control. We call it, Jimmy, we call it barely slowed. Right. So you want to, you want to act like you're pulling that bar into yeah. your chest. Pulling it, pulling so it. Pulling tension. It, you know, yeah. Yeah. You want to keep that tension. And I can't express how much tension you need in your body when you're doing this. I mean, right. you know, I want everything flexed like you're in the Mr. Olympia pose down, man. I yeah. mean, crushing the floor. So, you know, you want to be under control when you go down. Bar speed can differ slightly. You're going to pause, and you want to be to my highest points right at the bottom of my rib cage, right? That's where I want to be. And when I'm first teaching, I have the spotter put their finger hard into their highest spot. And that's where you want to be. You want that bar because an inch lower, you ain't going to get that weight. And an inch higher, you ain't going to get that weight. You want to be right where your groove is, right? And it takes a lot of practice in order to do that. Um, and then when you, when that bar hits your chest, man, you, I mean, you want to drive it as hard as you can without losing that tension in your legs. And like Marty said, it's a, it's a, um, a jolting action, right? Without your ass leaving the bench. Right. Now, 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 do you tend to do a touch and go, or you're actually pausing at the now, bottom? No, I started pausing, and and uh, I never <laughs> felt comfortable touch and go again. I was mm -hmm. much stronger pausing. I paused all my close grips, um, not my inclines, because that's a whole different movement. But I paused my close grips also, and I did not feel comfortable touch and go. It was like it was so weird after a while. So anyway, so Rob Wagner. All right, now wait, 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 wait. I just want to interject right there that we swing back and forth between the paused and the touch and go when we burn out on the pause it's like all right let's push it up with a little touch and go time and so we get this pendulum thing going back and forth between the two and we mix and match we'll usually do the touch and go in the off season then when the boys are getting ready for competition oh guess what time to pause anyway yeah. i like to get them away from pause so when they, it's time to really get serious about it, it's fresh to them. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead, Jimmy. I'm sorry. No, and, and you know, so so Kirk comes along and 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 schools me in this technique. Rob Wagner has this thing. I don't know. I don't know how he came about it, but probably through the same channels, because um, he didn't have a great bench. And then I remember him at like 185 doing 405 for a bunch of doubles one day. Yeah. Lost, no shirt. Right. Um, you know, and so he did that because he was a technician too. If you notice, the um, the recurring theme here is that Fontana was a smart guy, Gasset was a smart guy, Wagner smart. You know what I mean? All these guys are thinkers, mm -hmm. and Kirk was like, "Oh man, you know, I'm, I'm he's smart enough to to say this is the right way to do it." Um, so, okay. anyways, okay, right, good coach. He sure did. Yeah, I forgot the one guy's name. <laughs> um, right. So, you know, Yuri, Yuri, Yuri blast off. Yuri Blastoff, yeah. Like a natural C that comes when you when you touch that bar on your chest, 
and you're you're driving it up, your your arms are going to move back a little bit, it's like a C motion, right? Um, yeah. And so I actually say let's push in a straight line because people go back anyway. However, right. if it's somebody who who has hits too low on their perfect spot, I say back immediately when a bar touches their touches their sternum. Right. Well, we we find that left of their own devices, people push straight up, and the triceps stall, or it goes towards your knees, right? And and that's the end of it. And it's like, right. well, no, we're we're going to compensate because unlike the squat, where the li- air the deadlift, where the lift gets easier toward the top, in the bench press, the lift gets harder toward the top. So how do we overcome that? Well, one way to overcome that is to give the triceps a little help by doing this kind of fade to the back and up and fade to the back and up. And if you've pushed low enough, you have room to work, mm-hmm. right? And that it, up and back, up and back, up and back to lockout, bang, right? right. And that, that's what Fantano, and with Kenny's thing, it was just like his jolt was so incredible that it went about three quarters of the way up, and then he just had a little tricep thing at the top, <laughs> yeah. right? It was almost like an Olympic lifter catching a jerk. Right, and it was like, oh, okay, that's the way. And as soon as I saw it, I said, oh yeah, that's obviously the way it should be done. Right. Now it could take ten years to get it, but yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like looking at a perfect golf stroke or a perfect bat swing or a perfect tennis, you know, yeah. tennis serve. You know, yeah, just, I gave up on it. I, so I started off at three eighty-five. That's not bad. It was getting there, and then I got frustrating because I had to drop my max down to get this technique right mm-hmm. and then, then I you know then I got banged up again came back to it and I ended up in 2000 or 2001 I did 505 in a meet and I closed 415 or 425 on a close grip and stuff because mm-hmm. it, if you think about it with this technique everything's the close grip when your elbows are in it all ends up with your elbows tucked against your body right, right? why because that's maximum leverage and and your shoulders are not going to get all messed up, and you're not going to tear um, back. You know? No, you 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 know, yeah, exactly, because it's 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 more um, a natural type of a movement. <laughs> Talk about grip width. Depends. You, can, you know, you can have guys that are successful with. You know, Kaz was a relatively narrow grip guy. He's so big, you don't really notice. But if you look at his his six sixty benches, his yeah. grip is barely outside his shoulders and he was very very strong with that grip narrow grip benchers are very strong off the chest and they tend and they stall at the top with the triceps cut in the wide grip benchers if they can get it off their chest boom it's gone right so so it depends and there's it's not it's highly individual and you and you need mm-hmm. to experiment with that and find where your power grip is yeah i think my middle finger was on the right <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your height—that's that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty wide grip, actually. Yeah. So I would tra- I would not train that way all year, and I'd say probably six or eight weeks before a meet, I would start widening it out some. Oh yeah, man, that's when it feels good, doesn't it? That's a yeah. fresh. In your, that's, particularly if you're adding a little body weight at that time, right? Yeah. Yep. For sure. And now, Jim, did each, each week a little bigger, a little stronger. Each week a little bigger, a little stronger. You know. Did yeah. you uh, did you tend to switch the grip quite a bit? Uh, you, you know, you you go wide for a while and then then bring it into no, a regular. No, I would only go wide, um, you know, right before a meet. The rest of the time, I was doing close grips, and then I would do. It, it was about a medium medium grip, maybe a couple inches inside of that, inside of uh, having my middle finger on the ring. I would move it out gradually too. I wasn't going to go from yeah. 
the medium grip to the way out. But, um, yeah, the rest of the year was, you know, just trying to save my shoulders, and then I'd work on that technique. All right, so, before, we spin, before we spin off on that, the, 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 the strategy that I thought was the most intelligent that I ever came across was the, the one that uh, Ed Cohn and Doug Furness devised, <clears throat> where they would work up to whatever the periodized rep that was called for. In other words, if they were in the middle of a periodized cycle and the top set was supposed to be a set of five, they do a touch-and-go touch and set of five, but then they would uh, drop weight off the bar, you know, maybe five or eight percent, and then they would do a set of wide grip, paused, mm -hmm. then a set of narrow grip, again, with a little more weight reduction, touch-and-go. Mm -hmm. And I thought, the, and, and as Ed said, well, you know, the wide builds the start, the narrow builds the finish, you do the competition grip. Uh, and then they would put their pauses in very late in the cycle, like when they got down to the threes and the twos. Uh, I think Eddie, uh, I think Eddie on tape has a 550 double with no shirt, weighing yeah. what 223 or some shit, right? Right. Incredible. Uh, Doug was a 600 raw bencher, uh, and that I thought that was an intelligent strategy where you use your power grip for the touch and go yeah. top top set, then you go wider. For a pause set, narrow for a touch and go, it covers all the bases. Do some arm work, boom. Do some triceps, do some biceps. You know that's a good day. Shoulders yeah. on another day, right? Or and that's what you had Kirk do. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Kirk yeah. would uh, no, but you know, um, Kirk's main thing was that top set in the bench. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, did the other stuff happen? Did he do his wides and his narrows religiously? I don't remember a lot of that. I do remember the inclines. Yeah, I know on the tape he's doing wides, and then on okay, does he? Tuesday he would do some close grips. Yeah, okay, there you go, there you go. Uh, you know, he did arm work too, but I mean, it was very, uh, I don't know, I think he did <laughs> Not much. Two Not set much. Oh, yeah, he'd uh, uh, he'd be in the, uh, the dumbbell room, and you'd walk in, and he's got a pair of hundreds, and he's curled them, and he'd look up, and he'd go, hey, what's happening? Yeah, right. Here you go, I'm going to put a couple more inches on my arms so I'm going to have it. I'm gonna add that arm day in that I do sometimes. Yeah, and he'd do like two sets of eight and he, got he heavy weights and that shit, man. Oh, was, but he was never. Yeah. I mean, he was never he like, yeah. Bad. You know, it was just like, okay. Oh, are these arms good? He had like, I told. What did he tell me on two Sundays ago? I think he told me he said his arms were twenty-two and a twenty-two and a half. Yeah, at five eight. And right. And he's not. That ain't no brag. I mean, he's not. No, no he doesn't brag at all. No, no, he doesn't care. He just said, well, that's what they were. You know, and his, I forget what he said. He thought was it's not thirty-two and a half. I think I can't remember, but it I, was gigantic. I sent him a picture of. You ever seen those double muscled beef cows? Yes, the they're real just lean, the real lean ones. Yeah, and they've got all this. Yeah. They're, they're like double muscled up and uh, crazy looking. I sent. I said, if you were a uh, steer, this is uh, like kind the whippet dogs. Have He's you seen just so whip, yeah. The whippet dogs, right? Oh my yep. god. Yeah, he is just so muscular, and he built twenty-two and a half inch arms on the five foot eight frame on a, just a few sets of uh, you know curls and tricep extensions, and of course his benches and stuff a week. You know, right. wasn't anything crazy. wasn't high volume at, at all. It was minimalist. Yeah. And I, I would say, well, what would you do after your incline? Did you do some overhead presses? He said, No, I do these thingies. And I was like, <laughs> 
and he was it was a lateral machine. He does like, <laughs> you know, he was getting so much yeah. belt work on his bench and incline, you know. <laughs> thing. But yeah, to the point, he's like, after a while, man, dumbbells are a pain in the ass when you're yep. so strong. That's right. It breaks my elbows. Lap pulls, I broke the cable. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the leg, it was horrible when he decided he was going to use leg presses and assistance works. Bob and I got, I mean, it ruined our deadlifts. We loaded so many hundreds on there, right? And he's loaded all these hundreds on there, and he's like kind of yawning as he's doing like eight or nine reps. He said, ah, that's good. And then we got to unload them. Yeah. Right? I think that was his first and last time leg pressing, right? Oh, it was terrible. And then he got into calves for a while. You know, his calves are gigantic, too. It's like, Why? I said, how, how'd your calves get so big, man? You do a lot of donkeys and stuff. She's like, no, walking around with 800 pounds. <laughs> hey, Jim, let's talk about... I want to say this, though, that Kirk actually was very upper body deficient. He worked very hard and very smart, and he took a lot of advice from Ed Cohn on how to bring that bench up, and it took him... You know, it took him a lot of years to to get to bring that bench up, right? But it was very consistent work, and he was a hard worker. He never missed, and he always made progress. Always. One last thing on Kirk. I don't want to turn it into the Karwaski hour, but we just uh, we just posted a video on YouTube. It's called uh, "World's Most Mus." I think it's "World's Most Muscular Powerlifter," and this is a video that he sent us. Kirk Karwaski sent us. In his at his prime, and I've never seen a more. I mean, it looked like a, a, a bodybuilder, really. I mean, he was just incredible. Um, I took a picture of him and I split it down the middle. I put uh, the Hulk cartoon on one side, and it's him on the other side. He's more muscular than the damn cartoon. He has better legs too. He has better legs. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to see that video, go on YouTube. I mean, he is massive. He's hitting uh, eight ten on the deadlift for a double. I mean, he is yep. just something else. Um, and he was, on that day, he was weighing 280. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that, that, right. that was the same week that he would have done the 1,000 for two. Right. Right, on Monday. So that was yeah, Thursday. Exactly. Yeah, that would have been Thursday. Let's, let's talk real quick about, um, now, Jim, you're a competitive bodybuilder, too. So, the, this technique that we're talking about from Fantano, um, do you apply that also to uh, building size in the pecs and, and all that no, for your bodybuilding no. as well? I, I don't touch a barbell when I, if I want to build, I, I would use dumbbells. I'd be heavy yep. at a dumbbell bench, yep. heavy dumbbell incline, flies, dips, yep. maybe finish with the uh, pec deck or something, but uh yep. Be careful on be careful on on like incline flies and stuff. That you know that's how Mentor ended his career, Mike. Well, think about it. You don't he need was, that. He was he was using like eighties, right? Yeah. They were like some sort of a weird. Yeah, I mean it's bench press or something. Well, that's how Platt tore his bicep too. Really? Uh, yeah. But he was going beyond. He was doing those partials and all that in the stretch position. But I mean after. A certain angle. I don't think the chest is really involved anymore, man. You, you got a lot of shoulder in there, um, mm -hmm. and you're, you're like that's like doing those, you know, dips, and when you're trying to 
stretch your whole body down there. Uh, right. But anyway, um, you know, it's totally different because now I'm focusing on contraction. I don't even think about the muscles I'm working if I was doing a powerlifting bench. Or right. the poundage. It doesn't matter. It just right. I mean, you know, you want the... You want to bring the, contraction. the insertion to the origin and must, yep. in, at the best angle possible, and you want to make sure you cover all the angles. And yeah, it's and, totally different. Feel people. it on every rep. Feel it on every rep, and you never lose the the, the concentration for a second. And, and what's your rep range when you're trying to build size? Eight to twelve, something like that. Um, yeah. So today I I, I was I did tricep stuff, and I first set with twenty, then. 15 and 12 and a couple sets of eight after that mm-hmm. yeah it's usually I, you know i was reading somewhere one time 40 seconds should be your set as long as you take that's around 12 reps that's where i usually am anyway yeah so it's usually around 12. who said that joe weeder nah it was ben pakulski this guy I mean, he's, he's really good really smart guy it's 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 basically charles glass um but beyond it you oh, know for, I mean? oh yeah and again for bodybuilding see right. i keep forgetting that right yeah yeah right. so uh, and also isn't aren't partials it seems like parcels are very popular at high levels of elite ifbb bodybuilding i see these guys and they'll like get on the hack machine and they'll sort of get in the middle of the movement and just kind of go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth yeah. and back and forth with these heavy ass poundages and, and then their training partners are giving them forced reps and it's like, well, damn, I guess that is just working that damn muscle to the maximum, yeah. right? And it's like, okay, yeah, if you can stand that. Yeah. Totally what's, what's uh, oh, all right, so we got the technique down. We understand the technique. Let's talk about, um, you know, how many how many times a week should we be doing this? Um, I think it changes as far as your how advanced you are. So if I'm starting a beginner, you got to remember all these lifts, deadlift, squat, bench, they're all skills. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if, if I just had him do one set of five a week, I don't think he's going to get that skill, no. right? Plus he's, plus he's weak. He's weak. So, yeah, that's right. And so Kirk doing 600 in the gym... It's a lot longer to recover. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Then a then a sixteen year old kid, you know, who's getting who's uh, getting gassed on a hundred for six. Right. And so, you know, even if you just want to go real basic there, JP, a beginning, a beginner, let's do like a decently heavy day and then a medium day. But I want his hands on the bar as much as I can, doing they, the correct. If, if the they can, if they can, they can take three times a week if they're really. They could weak. go three. That's yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a problem because how, how long does it take to recover from right. a set of squats with 70 pounds? Right. Yeah, you, you can know. definitely, you can, yeah, like they'll start heavy, medium, light, heavy, medium, light. Yeah, yeah. and get and get those, uh, you ingrain that technique that way. Right. Well, That's now, Marty, Marty, when you guys, back in the day, I'm talking like 60s, maybe even 70s or whatever, there was a theory that unless you guys trained. 1800s or 1900s? Yeah, 1900s. Um, you were telling me about a theory that if you didn't train the muscle, what was it, three times a week, you would start. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That so was, that's how uh, you that, started. That, that was uh, yeah. settled science of the day. That if, if, uh, and that started, I believe, in the 30s, and it lasted all the way up through the, I'd say, the 70s. Uh, it started felt falling off with, uh, falling off then, but the 
it was a settled science that unless you trained a muscle every 36 hours, that muscle would degrade, both yep. in terms of size and performance. This is why guys like Schwarzenegger, he was training three times a week every muscle. Twice so he would, twice a day, he would do the infamous double split where he would come in the morning and do X number of body parts and then come in at night and do it. I added it up one time. I got a, a great book, Three More Reps. Oh, by, you have that? Yes, I do, boy, uh, by Rick Wayne. Yeah, and uh, in it, it has Schwarzenegger's exact workout routine at his peak. I added it up. He does. He was doing more than 700 sets a week. <laughs> 700. I said, I said, Dan, go get a job in a coal mine, man. They'll wow. pay you. We've got that workout. Yeah, you did. You put that in an article, and we've got that on the site as well. That's right. And that's um, right. So, but all that, right. That was, that was, and, and Robbie Robinson and Frank Zane and all the yeah. you know immortal stars. That kind of ended with Menser and, Arthur, and yeah. Arthur Jones and that stuff. And the Olympic lifters were getting by on less, and the power lifters were certainly getting by on less. That was the first thing they ditched. The power lifters said. We can't do this three times a week. And guys like Cassidy were revolutionaries because they stopped training three times a week. And Hugh would train twice a week, heavy. But he was just, uh, well, I told you the story of how many calories that guy was slamming. I mean, he was eating 10,000 calories a day, but he was training yeah, like you know, heavy twice a the week. The thing is, is you train like Hugh and the way he had you, it cripples you for a week. Yeah. That's, See, that's, oh my God! That's what yeah. I don't understand. That that you know, you're squatting 700 to 800 in training. You're benching 500 in training. You're deadlifting 700 in training, and you're doing that all the time. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, you know, you yeah. can't so, train at 405 as an 800 pound squatter. You know what I mean? You're not going to. No, it doesn't work. Come on, man. Don't try. I mean, we wish it did. Right. So Marty, we Hugh really do. Hugh cuts it back to twice a week. What what happens with the gains? Well, then, then what happened is all the guys started getting up into the high 800s into the 900s squatting, and they said, man, we can't go twice a week. Yeah. We're not recovering. So guys like Furness, uh, and he trained under Dennis Wright. Uh, Dennis Wright had Doug squatting the way that we do on Saturday, but he was having him come in on Wednesday and do five sets of five in the paw squat. Mm. It was like, oh, my God. And then de having to deadlift. Of course, Dennis's deadlift always sucked, but that's why. Because he Did put he, uh... squatting. So he cut it back to once. Oh, okay. And then Cone cut it back to once. And then, of course, here comes Chalet. Chalet never trained anything other than once, right? So there was this wave about, and then everybody, and then the Cone and Furness thing took off. And when those guys, I mean, there was a period where these guys, every single meet, these guys were like improving their totals by 100 pounds. And we're like looking, what is going on? And that's the way they were training. They were hitting their lifts once a week. They were recovering. They looked great. They looked like athletes. They weren't, you know, big, fat, giant guys or out of shape, pig looking guys. And they were just kicking ass. And they were using this strategy of we're going to knock the shit out of the muscle once a week. Then we're going to rest it for seven days. Dorian Yates used the same strategy. I made, I read an article for Muscle and Fitness where I pointed out that Yates trained far more like Ed Cohn than he did like supposedly Mike Menser. Yates just didn't walk into the gym, load up 1,300 pounds in the leg press and start pressing one set to failure. 
Right. Now he's got to warm up. He needs two or three or four sets to get to that. Oh, what does that sound like? Well, it kind of sounds like a power lifter working up to a top set, except he might do a couple extra forced reps with Leroy helping him. Other than that, you know, uh, it was pretty much the same the same strategy. He used some different exercises. But, uh, again, it was a great convergence where the greatest bodybuilder in the world, Dorian Yates, and the greatest power lifter in the world, Ed Cohn, trained virtually identically. James Singer, because Ed did a lot of assistant stuff, too. Ed did, like, power bodybuilding. Yeah. But even though yeah. like, one heavy set, man, Rob Wagner said he went yep. and trained, trained with him. And Cone did, on a 100-pound plate, he did 700 for six yep. on a deadlift. Yep. And took off a couple plates and did 500 for five or six on the bent of a row. And that was yep. it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. He didn't even do 225, 315, 405. He just took off. Well, he, yeah, and if he was fired up, he'd go over and strap uh, 200 pounds on himself and do a set of eight in the chin-up. Yeah. Did he, he do inclines? Uh, no, I don't think. No, he didn't do any. He did press behind the neck. He could yeah. do 350 for five and 400 for one, weighing 225. Mm. Wow. And uh, when he did, uh, he would do tricep push downs. He had to have a guy stand on either toes to keep from launching himself. Because <laughs> <laughs> he pushed down more yeah. than he weighed. Yeah, <laughs> So Eddie was uh, Eddie was the all-time king of strength, but that's the way he trained. It's a it's a it's a it's a damn sin that his methodology is not worshipped. I don't understand it. Uh, the the cones, the Furnesses, the Karwatis—not enough. Everybody trained the same way, and no one has exceeded these guys. No one, not in physique, not in performance. Period. Mm-hmm. Period. And yet their methods are largely ignored. That's why I feel that this program is important because we keep some of this important methodology alive. Let me ask you guys real quick about the incline because we've talked about the incline. We've talked about the, the, the technical aspects of the flat. So does the, does the enti- how does the technique look on the incline? How does it look on the incline compared to uh, the flat? What what adjustments are you making for the incline, James? Well, I'm trying to put my ass as hard as I can into into the bench. It's really tough with your feet now, so I I try to just create a really stable surface. I mean, my feet are, are pushing, but it's not. You just you just can't get it as much as the bench, in my view. Um, and then now the bar for me is hitting above your chest and pushing it back. So. I'll use a high incline a lot of times, and this is because um, I, I just want some shoulder work in there, that whole clavicular area, um, but also really, really hits your shoulders. Um, and so if I don't want to press a bunch of kids over and over again, give them a little change up, we'll do a high incline. Um, when I was competing in powerlifting, I guess it was that 45 degree incline, mm-hmm. hit a high, and then now I'm really thinking bring that bar over my eyes right away, right over your eyes, right away. And down to where? It comes, it's above my chest, so between my collarbone and my chest. Yeah. Okay. Okay. With the pause or with the touch and go? Uh, I was pausing. I think I paused everything when I was competing. Yeah. I like I like my normal people. If they want to incline, I want them to start with dumbbells if they can, because you don't want to get pinned with a barbell and an incline if you really don't know what you're doing. 
Yeah, if you're not a spotter, too. <laughs> and, and, and I think it's better that they master the more difficult dumbbell incline first anyway. It's a more awkward, each each arm has to carry its fair share. Yeah. And if you get stuck, you just, you know, set them down on the floor and walk away. Yeah. Did you guys ever do, now you, you practice the arch, so that's a decline basically, but did you ever actually do a decline press? I hated those. Uh, yeah, I, I think I was only in one place that had a decline. Oh, it was in high school, and we used to do them in high school, but no, I didn't. So I would I would do bench, incline, and and close grip. You know, that was my three things. Um, I'm trying to think if I did any direct tricep work. Probably not. I mean, no. I consider my close grips the tricep work. Yeah, I could I consider the decline the most dangerous progressive resistance <laughs> exercise there is if it's done with a barbell and no spotter. Because if you get, if you miss a rep, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna have a bad way to go, buddy. Yeah. yeah you, maybe, maybe with a pair of dumbbells. And I tell you what, why don't you just arch in the flat bench? You know, I mean, yeah. do you really got a decline? I mean, honestly, what's the point? So you just learn how to arch. And the the, the point about the arch is, is that it's got to be consistent. And you have to work at it. You just don't pick it up on day one or you go, oh, I can't learn how to do that. It just takes time and repetition. Also, if you find a problem where your ass is coming off the bench within your foot stance, that'll correct that. If you widen your stance to a certain degree on the bench press, your ass can't come off the bench. Mm. It's impossible. So find that magical point where... Even if you want to come off the bench, guess what? You're not. Right. And it's there, and that's where you need to lock in. But you need to maintain that glute tension when you bench. You don't yeah, yeah. bench with a with a loose and flabby lower body and no no tension in the legs. Right. That's what you yep. see when you go to the commercial yeah. gyms, and that's what you want to avoid. It's a full body exercise. Uh, what was your favorite rep range, Jimmy? Two to five on the bench. For the for the for the strength stuff, and what for the bodybuilding? Yeah, 12, 12 and up. I mean, you know, as low as six. As low as six sometimes, but usually twelve. That's gruesome. Five sets of twelve. Five sets of twelve. Five sets of twelve. Five sets of twelve on every. That's. But now look, I only do it once a week. So what would what would be a typical chest routine using the five sets of twelve? What would you do? You come into the gym, yesterday. do what? Yeah. Yesterday I did uh, flat dumbbell bench. So you do five sets of twelve, and you and progressive. Right, and then okay. you know I, I do something some things by instinct. Say, man, I feel like going a little heavier today. Why don't you do twelve, ten, eight, six, six? You know, well, so, okay. but usually, just, yeah. yeah but you're safe. So, then I right. went over. Then I went over and did uh, Smith <clears throat> machine. So the Smith machine doesn't bother my shoulders. Smith machine so, flat flat bench or incline? Yep. Smith machine flat bench for sets of twelve. What kind of grip? What kind of grip would? With. Uh, middle finger on that bar. So regular competition, yeah. like your competition grip. Yep, and then if I set to that, then I did five sets of pec deck. Um, really kind of focusing on keeping my shoulders way, way back. So if you watch people do cable crossovers and pec deck, pec deck, they're working so much front delt, they're not getting anything out of it. Yeah. You got to keep your shoulders way, way back and lean. Mm-hmm. We we advise the same thing when they're doing the flat fly on the exactly flat bench. exactly yeah. exactly. And that was it, 15 sets, and then uh, 
It only takes like 35 <laughs> minutes. I'm out of there. I, and it's like 45 seconds rest between sets. Uh, so, hey, Marty. So how, so how many total sets did we just do there? How, how many exercises? That was Three exercises, five sets. 15, yeah. so you did 15, 15 sets with 40 seconds between sets. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, Marty, he was talking about... He was talking about some accessory work like pec deck and stuff like that. Now, what what kind of accessory work would you guys do if if at all? And I'm not talking about different widths on the bar. And who who you mean? What Marty. <laughs> well, at at all. I mean, I don't think Kirk was doing anything, or would he do flies once in a while? He, you know, he wasn't doing pec deck, but he was doing inclines. He was doing curls. Did he, I think he did some triceps. I can't remember. Did you do any triceps? A little bit. Until he said he got too strong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, his elbows up. <laughs> so, not, uh, Hugh, uh, what would we do with Hugh? Um, not a lot. Main, uh, well, we did so much stand benching. And also, yeah. remember, when we trained with Cassidy, we'd start with squats. We'd work up to a top set of squats. Then he'd want us to do two back-off sets with less weight. and Like we might use uh, knee wraps and belts. Working up to the top set of the squats, so maybe you do I don't know whatever six fifty five for five. Okay, so you drop back down to whatever five forty five with no gear, and then do two sets of either like six to eight. Then you go bench, and you work up to a top set, and then you back down and you do. Uh, he wanted two to three sets. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Then we went to deadlift. Yeah. All right, then we went through all that, and he'd stiff leg deadlift. Then he wanted to do us either arm work or heaves, and we did that twice a week. Heaves, I love that. High pulls. Yeah, heaves. Now, I we love had that to he called him that. I love that. Dynamic deadlift. That's what you're doing. You're heaving it. Yeah, you got You just got to get that sucker moving. Can, but yeah. it, was, it was rough after you just worked up to a top set or whatever. And, and two back offsets, and I, he had us do stiff leg deadlifts, back offsets. That's the only thing yeah, I really no ever just got so big, though, man. Oh, and, and you had to—I mean, we had to drink a half gallon of milk before we could drive the car home. Wait, what were you <laughs> stiff leg? I'm serious. I mean, you We just yeah. the parking lot. I, mean, we I, I believe it. That sounds like a three-hour workout. Oh, you said something like a leaf. Marty, you were going to say something about the stiff leg. I forgot what you were going to say. I mean, the only thing I disagreed with him philosophically on, I think it I think it caught us halfway between stiff legs and regulars yeah. in the competition. Uh-huh. And I think it needed to be a clean break. So I never, you know, and if you look at the way he deadlifted, he'd get a good start, but then he'd start doing the damn stiff leg. And I just don't think it's as efficient as a, as a oh, proper not. conventional deadlift. Right. So the other nap, but I mean, we just got and we just pounded the shit out of ourselves. But we yeah. were twenty twenty, you know, we were young. We were young guys. <clears throat> it was like laying on his coach, and he's like, yeah. "Okay." Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's funny as as good as he was, and as good as you guys became, you were you were really kind of limited over there working out in his because it was in the basement. The oh, ceiling was up. like the ceiling was like seven feet high, right? That's it. Yep, exactly, and, and it was. You, uh, Wet and you guys, yeah, you guys had to hang like dumbbells with coat oh, yeah. hangers yeah. from the bar. I don't know why did he, he just buy buy the good stuff. Hey, why don't you just shut up? <laughs> like you got the best lifters in the state. 
fucking freaking hangers, man. He went if, you like, if, if you don't like it, Jimmy, you can leave. Anytime, yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> anytime they needed new plates, you know, there was no Sears or whatever down the street. They had to get out the welding torch. No, he'd get out. And he cut made them. all the plates. He yeah, made a hundred. The hundreds were cut out of of like whatever inch and a half steel, and one would say ninety eight point two five, and the other one would say one oh one point one two. And crazy. they were cut out. They were raw. You couldn't use them for deadlifting. We had to use regular forty five. When he That's went so to a meet, it must have been like lifting. It must have been driving a Rolls Royce. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, exactly. <laughs> he was driving a Dodge <laughs> with one freaking one freaking door. The best Formula One drivers in the world start out driving on the ice with spikes on the wheels when they're 12 years old in Finland. That's what you guys were doing. And that's what we were doing. We was like training in Fred Munster's basement. Okay. I wish we had a picture of that. Why don't you have a picture of that, a Polaroid? It would have been too dark. It couldn't have taken. (laughs) Now, Now, you'd come down and he'd have, he'd been like, one time he was reading National Geographic and there was something about light therapy. So he'd come down and he'd have a blue light screwed into the bare hanging bulb and he'd be under the blue light doing seated alternate presses while country music was playing. And it'd be like, oh, this is so strange. <laughs> so weird. And it would be like, I don't know, like training with... Uh, who who is at the end of Apocalypse now? Uh, Kurtz. Yeah, it was like power uh, training with Kurtz at the end of Apocalypse now. Oh my God! All right, listen, we're getting way off track with all your uh, musings no, here. Man, that's up to you. I'm just talking. So, uh, you guys want to add anything else about uh, the bench? I mean, we covered a lot of stuff. That's some good good information. If, if you're a rookie, you can bench up to three times a week. Yeah. If you're an intermediate, twice. If you're a bench guy, you're gonna you should probably cut back to once. That's your yeah. frequency. We love the five rep set. Yep, can't go wrong with a five rep set. Yeah, and both pa- get good with both paused and touch and go. Now, we, now we wait love, a second. We love dumbbells. We love dumbbells. Now, the the just real quick, the five rep set you're always talking about is like the the happy medium between power and size, right? Perfect. Well, power and yeah, I think about yes. Yeah, I think okay. that's a good description. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely get big like that. Yeah. All right. Well, real good. Um, let's see. Check out Marty's weekly column and podcast, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com, as well as uh, on iTunes now. Uh, Marty and Jim are available for online training and seminars. You can reach them by emailing marty at ironcompany.com or jim at ironcompany.com. Also, pick up a, a copy of Marty's book, Purposeful Primitive. We've got that on the site as well. And uh, shopping for rubber flooring, how about free weights, cardio, or strength equipment? Visit Iron Company for all your fitness equipment needs. And don't forget to go check out the big, beautiful, blue, Kurt Karwaski-approved power bar. Great bar, man. Great Um, bar. One of the first ones to try it out. Yeah, we we sent you one. We sent it to uh, University of Pennsylvania. And it's blue. Yeah. You should have taken. You didn't take it with you. Damn it! (laughs) And this is, and this is, you know, when I got together with Kirk on this, I said, "Look, you're, you're, you're like the greatest squatter in the world. We, you, you got to have a bar or something." 
So let's put this bar together. It's you know I love doing projects like like this, and uh, you know he helped me through the 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 whole thing and developing you know the sharpness on the the neural the color, you know that was his favorite color I blue. I think Donald Blake Barry's barn barn gym needs one. Oh, we have one. Oh, he's got oh, one. That's that what they're always doing nice. the videos with. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So check that we, out. The we the showed it to you when you were there, Jim, but you were too arrogant to yeah. see it. Yeah. I didn't even look down. I know. Go ahead, Jeffrey. And uh, and finally, uh, we've got new Jim Steele articles. They can be found on the articles section. Just go to our website, ironcompany.com. Select articles at the top, and uh, you'll see Jim's uh, articles in there. And you can also check out uh, his website, bassbarbell.com, with lots of training, motivation, and programs on there. And... Uh, that's okay. it. We're going to wrap it up. Yes. Uh, what are we going to talk about next week? Uh, it's funny because we're going to talk about gym etiquette and things that crazy stuff that we've seen over the years. And I was just thinking about this when I was in the gym the other day. I see all this <laughs> crazy crap going on. And I thought, you know, it would make a, a great kind of round robin for us to go through. And I've... I can talk about my crazy stuff. Marty's seen tons of stuff. I know Jim's seen tons of stuff. So oh, yeah. a lot of people can relate, and uh, I think it would be kind of funny. I'd be interested to see if our uh, bitches stack up. Yeah. You mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our gripes, you mean? <laughs> All right, guys. See you next All week. Right. Bye. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya. <laughs>